This is the Dwayne Lester Show. I'm Dwayne Lester. Thanks for listening. We're now daily, a half hour every day on DwayneLester.com, and uh, we are America Radio. Thanks to Wayne Dupree for letting me be on there. A few uh, few years ago, a good friend of mine, John Hawkins, wrote an article that caused quite a stir. John predicted the oncoming, slow, agonizing death of the independent blogger. Now, I've been watching what John's done with uh, Right Wing News for a few years now since he's written that, and I wanted to touch base with him again and see if what he predicted came true and how he's changed since he made those predictions. So here's my interview with John Hawkins from Right Wing News. It wasn't uh, too long ago that I was sitting at my desk and I was writing out all the different places that I write at and I was looking at, at uh, DwayneLester.com and what I'm doing there and what where it's at and started thinking about how things have changed and then it dawned on me, it wasn't too long ago that my good friend John Hawkins wrote an article about what we're looking at now. He made this bold prediction and the headline back in 2011, it was, it was July 2011, so it's almost four years ago, the slow, painful, coming death of the independent, conservative blogosphere. And I looked through this and I thought, you know what, let's see if we can get John to, uh, to come in and talk about this article. It's been a while since anybody's talked about it, I think, uh, but let's, let's go back and look at it and see how things have changed, because I've been doing this since 2007, but John's been doing it since 2001. So he's seen a lot more change than I have, but he agreed and he joins us now. John, thanks for being here. Hey, I, I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks. So you took a lot of flack for this this article, didn't you? I was just looking through some of the old some of the old articles and there are headlines oh, yeah, out there. Everybody was pissed off. They yeah. were not happy with that. There are headlines like John Hawkins can take his slow, painful death and shove it. I'm like, wow. People are angry. I had somebody I ended up stopped who I stopped talking to over this. It was a girl I knew, and she had done it. She's like, I think John is doing this to try to drive lesser blogs out of business so he'll have more traffic. And I was like, what the hell? Are you? T- I mean, seriously? Wow. How does that have, help me to drive people with 100 readers out of business? I'm like, I'm going to get them all or something. It's crazy. <laughs> but people got very – a lot of them got very upset over that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I remember when I read it, I went, okay, well, let's take a look at what he says and let's see how we can apply it. 2011, I was still doing All-American Blogger. I, I was still working my part-time job. And, you know, the thing is, and I don't, I don't know how realistic this is, but you see the conservative side. A lot of us are on our own. Uh, you know, a lot of us are working the, part, working the full-time job and then filling our spare time by pounding away on the keyboard and we look across the way and we see the left and it just seems like everybody is shiny and happy and well funded. Is that is that just my perspective or is that is that how you see it too? Or well, is, it, is it just, you know, is it just sitting in your own your own world thinking, man, it'd be nice if uh, if I had some George Soros money. Well, there's a couple of things. One, there's a lot more opportunities on the left than the right. If you're a good right, now that's starting to change a little bit. There's enough people who are coming along, like the people like National Review, Wall Street Journal, they've never hired bloggers. They just never did. They're like, hey, you're talented, but we don't want you. Uh, a few places have hired on bloggers, but I mean, what started to happen is a lot of the new guns who've come out there, these people who have these big Facebook presences like IJ Review, uh, you know, young conservatives, right wing news now, and a lot of others, we've started hiring bloggers. Some of us have. But 
basically what happens is if you're on the left, one, if you're, you take off, you got a good shot of getting a job at a paper. So that's number one. That's a big thing, too. They've, they're willing to put more money into activism than we are. Our donors put money into TV ads, yeah. and they do that, and they, or they give them to foundations, places they know. They don't fund activist writers, and so we're always struggling for cash. I was just reading an article last night. Vox is talking about getting, I think, $250,000 million in fundraising. I said thousand. Million. <laughs> that's incredible. Dollars. Well, it's insane. So. And see, and, and you look at that, and you look on our side, and you got a, a great, strong conservative like Bob Parks. You know, this guy is is is, is a good guy. He's he's able to communicate the message well, and he's got a great message to deliver. And the guy's doing a GoFundMe because he's homeless. That Ugh. that 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 is I didn't incredible know Bob to Parks me. Was homeless? Yeah, uh, it's terrible. Well, and it's there's a lot of guys. I'll tell you one guy that always I think of in this vein is Ace at Ace of Spades headquarters. I think he is one of the most talented writers I've ever seen. He he writes just this amazing stuff. He's built. He's one of the guys who has succeeded long term in a blogging format because he's such a great writer. Who's got him anywhere? Has anybody brought him on as a columnist? Is anyone bringing him on to write? Is you know any of these big old time publications? No. They don't. Right. Um, they don't reach out. I mean, a guy like that who is so talented, who's as good as anybody out there. And, yeah. But I think that's very typical. Uh, so a lot of the people who could have been a bigger deal than they are, eventually they just got tired of it and quit. And that's kind of the thing too. Over time, what what I was noticing back then is you know the model. It's people always say you've heard them say anyway uh, that if you build a better mousetrap, the world will beat a path to your door. That is not true at all. Let me just tell you, you can have the best mousetrap in the world and somebody's got to be funding you, doing marketing. Somebody's got You got to have a way to tell people about it. So what started to happen over time? I mean, when I started way back in the day, I was doing three posts a day and building an audience on that personally. Right. Today, right wing news, if you count this, the columnists we have, the news articles, the links, we're over 40 a day. And I'm, I'm hardly right. I mean, I'm writing like uh, maybe a couple of columns and then maybe another couple of posts a week now. And that's how we're doing it. But, you know, back then you could do it on three posts and everybody was talking about blogs. Everybody was getting excited about them. We were actually having an impact in the dialogue. We remember the stories like Dan Rather that blogs pushed along. So but now you look at it, if you try to come out and do the exact same thing, uh, you're not going to get anywhere. You can do three uh three posts a day and nobody's gonna read it yeah yeah you're right you're right and and, and you, the part that i think is important to talk about is the funding aspect and there just seems to be on the left a a uh, almost a, an importance they, they place a lot of importance on new media and online a- activism and the right doesn't seem to uh to do that near as well uh, is that changing do you see that changing the only change that I'm seeing on that front is, like I say, you've got a number of new, more Facebook-driven sites that are just looking for people who have some talent, and they're willing to reach out. But like the old-school websites, they don't hire bloggers. No. I, I'll just give you an example. I got a job. I managed to work for Town Hall. I'm, I'm one of the like best-read columnists over there. I'm one of the top five people. Uh, but one of the reasons I am is, you know how I got started with that, is human events reached out. And asked a bunch of us, several bloggers, I don't know, they did some sort of thing where they're like, hey, do you want to write for us? We'll give you a chance to do a column. And I said, how about doing a weekly column? 
And they were and Rob Bluey, who was over at the time, said, OK. So he gave me a shot and my columns did pretty well. Well, eventually uh, Rob moved on. I decided I wanted to move on, too. And I reached out to Town Hall, said I've been writing for human events and they gave me a shot. But that's the thing. They're not going to reach out to you. I've reached out to some of the other big name people out there. They don't want to bring you on if you're a blogger. They want like a certain type of person, like a think tank guy or someone who went to Harvard. <laughs> and it's like, you know, that's not most bloggers. So I, I think there are some opportunities if you have some skills out there now. So that's the good thing. But I don't think you have as much of an opportunity just to do the old school, hey, I'm going to create a website do three or four posts a day and people will love my stuff because I'm such an entertaining writer. I don't think that's really out there anymore. Let's go back and take a look at the list you wrote. You had five points. I mean, you took a lot of flack for these five points. So let's let's look at them closely. You write, you, you write uh, again, the headline is The Slow, Painful, Coming Death of the Independent Conservative Blogosphere. Point one, the right is structured differently than the left. We have a large, effective talk radio presence and tea parties for new conservatives to sink their energy into so conservatives have more viable ways to get involved in the movement outside of blogging than the left did when George W. Bush came into office. Do you still see that? Yeah, that's still the case. There's more places for conservatives to go, but the really big factor these days is social media. Yeah, that's there point, are a two. Lot. point two. Yeah, and yeah, oh yeah, well, I guess that's true. But yeah, it, it is structured differently. Um, the talk radio, I mean, if you're, a, if you're a person who's just interested in doing something for the movement, you know, I mean, for a long time now, although the Tea Party itself is starting to die off a little now, but, you know, I mean, as far as the meetings, that kind of thing go, but people would go to the Tea Parties. They'd start listening to Rush Limbaugh or Mark Levin. They weren't necessarily going to a blog. So that was kind of something where, you know, it just, they, the, the people aren't there. The new flow of people into the blogosphere just stopped happening. You write uh, in point two, the rise of social networking has peeled a lot of people off. A lot of people who have been haunting blogger comment sections five years ago are spending their days on Twitter and Facebook. Now, so I think your point there, correct me if I'm wrong, is that uh, while people have been going to blogs because that was the only outlet they had, with the rise of social media, they don't need blogs anymore because they have their own Twitter stream or their own Facebook page. Right. There's a lot of people who, let's say maybe 10 years ago, would have gone out and created a blog. But now they're like, why do I need a blog? I can post on Facebook. I can post on Twitter. And yeah. I got 40 retweets. I did great. You know, so I think there's a number of people like that whose energy as bloggers is peeled off and a number of people who would have been going to blogs who no longer have a need to, per se. They get all their content done on Facebook or, or Twitter. And they just don't see a reason to go to some relatively small blog when they feel like there's a much larger volume of people on these social media networks. You know, there's a you made the comment about haunting blogger comment sections. When we started uh, DwayneLester.com back up um, and, and kind of redirected All American Blogger and the Missouri Torch to uh, the news site, we made the decision to get rid of uh, comment sections. And uh, I just didn't see the point in them. Uh, what do you think about that? Do blogs need comment sections anymore? Do websites need comment sections anymore? Well, that's a good question. I think it depends on the situation. You know, you like to feel like you have a community. I mean, and that's the ideal thing. If you do have this community going, that's a great thing. But 
you know, like for our model, we really don't need a comment section. We have one. In fact, we might be better off without one. That way, we don't ever have to risk anybody saying something stupid in there. Right. But right. when I read like the the comments, even on Facebook, I mean, oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't know. You, there's just so many stupid people out there, and the the web has gotten so crass and annoying that you do have some intelligent comments, but they're drowned out by the morons. Yeah, and, and I, I remember yes. sitting with uh, I remember sitting with Gateway Pundit. I don't remember where we were. Um, but we were we were sitting there, and there was something. There was a meeting about to happen. I don't remember who was giving the briefing, uh, but he's got his laptop open, and he says, "Dwayne, look at this. Look at this." And I, I go over and look, and he's showing me comments that are on his page that are just as offensive as can be, and they're complete ad hominem attacks. They're they're vulgar. He goes, "I can't have that on my website." So I look at it and say, "Yeah, I, and I'm going to get those too." I don't want to deal with that, uh, and. I don't need to. I don't, you know, the community for a blog can actually be on Facebook now. It can, where you just have just as many stupid attacks. Right. I mean, I'll tell you a little truth about Facebook. For a while, there's a feature on there that allows you to block certain words. Well, it was broken on my page, which our page is almost two and a half million people on Facebook, so it's huge. And I mean, a standard day, we get tens of thousands of comments. But I'm telling you, I had a moderator going through and, you know, deleting the N-word a hundred times a day. Right. And, you know, and now granted, you don't know where these people are coming from, how many of them are agent provocateurs, how many are from Europe, who knows. But it's just you're reading through this crap and you say, man, you know, there's some good stuff in here if you read through it enough. But is is there enough value to continue doing it? I mean, on Facebook there is because that's part of how you get traffic on Facebook is having comments. Is there on your blog? I don't know. If I started a blog today, in fact, you know, just this conversation is making me rethink whether I want comments on my website. I don't know. Maybe I don't. Yeah, I just I didn't see the point in it. I've I've dealt with you know there were some good folks who would stop by and and drop some some comments in, but then there were the people you just look at and say it's just not worth it. You know, it's it's just not worth it. Um, and that's why we made that decision. But uh, let's go to point three. Point three is interesting. The the market has become more mature. Um, Good luck convincing tens of thousands of people that if they have time to read only one more blog today, it should be your brand new blog instead of Michelle Malkin or Instapundit. And that's that's one thing that I've actually talked uh, with different bloggers about. And you know, I'm one of those guys. I don't know if you if you do this, but I read a lot of blogs about blogging. And so you read something like Pro Blogger or or johnchow.com and they're talking to content marketers and and you know online marketers but there's a lot of good things that they talk about that can be applied to political blogs too and i asked them you know what about getting into some place that's so oversaturated what's the what do you do there and that's what you're talking about here it's not only that it's more mature but it's just so saturated there are just so many blogs out there uh, good luck getting yours noticed is that what you're saying yeah, when we started, see, I can remember back when I got started in 2001. I wasn't like one of the very first bloggers, like Instapundit was there, Andrew Sullivan, who was the only guy I knew of making a living doing this back then. You had some guys who were there, but I mean, back then there was an actual community of people. There was an act, you could write something, and it was sort of like this exciting new time, and we were all in this together, and yada, yada, yada. And then, you know, you start looking ahead, and it's like, huh. Now here comes the Daily Caller, here comes Brett Bart, here comes Red State, here comes Hot Air, here comes, you know, IJ Review, here comes all these other websites, and suddenly there's all these other websites who are, are very big. And you start saying, hey, how does my little website, if, if someone's going to pick a website they're going to read every day, 
how are they going to do that? I mean, today, I'll tell you, I don't read anywhere near as many websites as I used to. I used to read, I'm not kidding, 50, 60, 70 a day. Yeah. And I would use RSS feeds to scan them a little bit, but today I don't read that many. I look at more, there's like certain just bigger, more prof- bigger websites out there that I'm checking out. And I think that's happened for a lot of people. They look back and they say, man, I don't need to go to as many websites. Is this one so compelling the stuff that's on there every day that I'm going to go check it. And there's not a lot of them I found that are just that good that you've got to go look at them every single day. No, I'm, I'm like you. I've, I've still got uh, the RSS feed uh, I, every morning. I don't know if you've seen the uh, the newsletter that I put out now, uh, the Lowdown. It's a uh, paid subscription newsletter. But I, I've t- over the past seven years, if I found an interesting website, I've subscribed to it. Just because, yeah. you know, when you started out, and you might remember this, but when I started out in 2007, just finding stuff to write about was a little more difficult than it is today. And so so whenever you found, I found something compelling, something that was generating good content, I'd capture it. And so I've got this massive RSS feed. And every morning, I'll, I'll uh, tell Feedly to get rid of everything that's older than 24 hours, and I'll still have 7,000 articles in there. <laughs> wow, it's a lot. Man. Yeah, it's you know it's it's just massive. But I, as I go through uh, to put this newsletter together, I'm putting as much into this newsletter as I can, and I I still find the most diverse content from all the blogs that I've subscribed to. The problem is nobody knows these blogs. <laughs> you know, uh, nobody they're good blogs, but how often do you hear someone talk about Cold Fury or? You know, Diogenes right. Middle Finger or, you know, Blazing Cat Fur. These, these, these people put out decent content every day. But you're right. When you've got this massive ocean and you're just a little fish, it's difficult to get, to get noticed. One thing that I've seen these experts like John Chow and Darren Rouse and Copy Blogger talk about, and, and I think is the way to go now, and I've said this before, if I were to start, uh, you know, from scratch, if, if nobody knew who I was and I had zero presence, I would start uh, by, by drilling down to the most, most uh, narrow niche that I could. You know, it, it might be that I'm going to talk about global warming in Missouri. And that's it, because then you're able to become a subject matter expert. Nobody's going to come to you because you write a good blog, but if you are the expert on a certain topic, then yeah, people will come to you. And see, that gets into point four, which is something I, I, that I think has really been a challenging thing for the smaller blogs is you now have a lot of aggregators out there. I mean, that's what Right Wing News does. We're a news aggregator. We're going to come up with some really – I mean, I guarantee you absolutely that if you read through all the stories on Right Wing News for today, you're going to find like two or three that you're like, oh, my God, i got to read this. Right. And we're not the only site like that. So, so you may say, hey, this small site, they write pretty good stuff. But, I mean, are you guaranteed every day to find those two or three stories? And you're like, well, not really. So what you'll do is you'll, okay, well, I'm going to go to Breitbart. I'm going to go to Right Wing News. I'm going to go to, you know, Young Conservatives. I'm going to go to Conservative Tribune. You go to these sites that have, you know, a gazillion stories in a day. And they, for your time, you feel like you're getting a little bit more value. But the downside of it is 
you know, these smaller sites get knocked out because they don't have the that professionalized thing. Plus, when you're doing this as a hobby and you don't do this for a living, you know, life gets in the way. You know this. I know this. I mean, you know, the, for, for right-wing news or a lot of these sites, the show must go on. I mean, if I'm on vacation for a week, the website will be covered. There right. will be stuff going on. If you're a smaller blog and you take a week off, hey, people may not come back. Yep. Yep. And you, so that's it's tough. It's it's just a lot more professionalized atmosphere than what it was back in the day. I mean, right now, right wing news, just to give you an idea, it, there was a time when it was just me and I had a tech guide call if out of a problem. Now I have three tech guys. I've got, you know, a bookkeeper. I've got a team of guys who do grunt work. I've got uh, what is it? Twelve writers, you know, on staff. Plus, I've got a copyright editor. I mean, it just goes on and on. And that's what we've had to do to try to keep up so when i look at myself comparing to what we have to do today it's just a whole different ball game yep it's like a it's like a small shopkeeper comp- you know, competing with walmart almost yeah that's what you wrote in here and i wanted to touch on we're, we're getting close to the end of the podcast but you know extend that sucker man <laughs> we uh we, i've written about walmart uh many times in the past because they there's this impression that when walmart comes to town they, they kill these stores um and a lot of times what you'll find is as a store closes in the downtown, another store will open up in that. And they specialize in something that Walmart doesn't have. And again, if to use that, to use that uh, uh, example, if you know, you've, got, you've got to go up against the Walmart of blogs, you've got to specialize in something they don't cover. So they come to you. <laughs> you, know, they, you want to be yeah. the guy they refer people to. Uh, so again, you know, just... If you're gonna, if you're listening to this and you were thinking about starting a blog, don't start a general conservative blog. Become an expert in in a subject. Find something that you really are passionate about and start a niche blog, and focus on that. Um, let's go on to number five because I think that's it's very important too. Most bloggers are not very good at marketing, not very good at monetizing. There are no sugar daddies giving us cash, and this isn't the biggest market in the world to begin with. That that's very true. It's difficult to monetize, uh, in, you know, in the conservative blogosphere. Uh, <laughs> I know this from experience. Two years ago, I started the Missouri Torch with the the uh, the idea of it being a for profit blog. That was squashed. I switched it to a non profit blog. was un, was unable to raise the funds for that. And so we we've moved on to the third model now, where where the idea is to essentially. Uh, try to to uh, build this list and get a paid subscriber list going. That's where we're at now. We're working on that angle. But uh, yeah, there are no sugar daddies on the right who are just you know as many times as you and I have been as, has been accused of taking coke money. That simply isn't happening. Yeah, I wish it was. I yeah. wish there were a big bag of coke cash out there. Or, or people say, well. You write for Town Hall. Obviously, that's some kind of payoff deal where they know they just they pay me money because my columns do really well over there. Um, you know, but there isn't one. And I think that's a big thing, too, because you start looking at this over time and and people are doing this for one of two reasons. They want to make money or they want to be read. And if you're not making any money and there's a lot, it's almost like you almost have to think of it as a small business if you're going to make money on it. And there's a lot of big places, by the way that don't know how to do this stuff either. You know, the Huffington Post has never made a profit. I mean, th- there's a lot of other ones I could name, too, that have never made a profit. No, but think a lot, about this. A lot of people there's, don't there's, realize yeah. that either, John. A lot of people don't realize that, that websites like the Daily Caller 
are a nonprofit. They are run. They are donor driven. They don't make a profit. The only place I know that's really making a profit is the Blaze, and I don't know that they are, but when you go to the Blaze, it's sometimes difficult to find the copy because of all the ads they have up. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's something where a lot of these guys aren't business people. They don't think of it that way. National Review, their only reason they have a print edition is because there's rich people who give them money. All that in their cruise line business. So, I mean, it's true for a lot of people. So there's a lot of people who are very big and very professional, and you've heard of them, but they're not making anything. To me, I'm not sure what the point of getting creating this big – you know, the New York Times itself is a billion dollars in debt. The only reason they exist today is because, you know, Carlos Slim came in with a ton of money to keep them floating for a while. I mean, so if you think about that, you know, it's very difficult. You've got – I mean, this really is on a certain – once you get to a certain level, a small business. And if you're if you can't do it on the small business level, and a lot of people can't, even the big ones not, aren't necessarily that great at it. A lot of them, anyway. Then the next step is how many people are reading me. And if the answer to that is one or two hundred people, and, and you really don't get that much traffic, and you, you don't know how to, I mean, because it's very difficult long term to make a make your bed and, and lie it and get you know good traffic off of Instapundit, Hot Air, and Linkiest linking you which is pretty much what a lot of people have to do, and it's very tough to do. There's not a lot of places out there that link blogs, and there's only so much traffic you get off of them. I mean, when you're getting an Instapundit link every two months, can you live off of that or hot air? Or, And so eventually you're like, man, I, you know, even when I was getting 1,000 people a day reading right-wing news right when I started, I was putting in 30, 40 hours a week. And there's a lot of people that do that. They put in a tremendous amount of time, and their traffic isn't going up, and they're saying, gee, it's never going to go up. And they, when you realize that at some point, it's got to be kind of demoralizing. Yeah, it, it is. It is. Uh, I know from experience that uh, you're absolutely right. It's difficult to, uh, to do that. And, and at the end of the day, you, you either, like you say, you either keep doing it because you enjoy doing it or you finally just say, look, uh, this isn't working out and you, and you walk away from it. So looking back over the past four years since you wrote this, what changes have you made? Well, uh, we've gotten big into Facebook. That's definitely helped us out. We have a huge Facebook page that helps us to drive traffic. We've gotten much more professionalized. We have an almost 100,000 person email list. Um, so those have been big things. I mean, Right Wing News has managed to get a lot bigger. We um, are in the top, uh, let's see, last time I looked, I think 9,000 and something in the world on Alexa. We're in the top 250 on Quantcast in the United States. I mean, we're bigger right now, last time I looked, than like MSNBC on the web. We're bigger than CNN on the web. So we've got a big, big website. But like I say, we're very, we run it very professionalized now. We've got multiple people. We've got staffers. We've got people who are doing stuff all the time. And it's just, it's, we've had to treat it like a business to get up to that size. And, you know, if it's, it took a lot of time and a lot of work to get it to that point. It's, it's almost, it really is like a small business running it, you know, and it's, it's something you can't do as a hobby what we're doing you it's got to be part of your life i mean you're going out of town this weekend still got to get covered you're sick you're about to die you better get up and do your work anyway mm -hmm. and i don't know if everybody wants to do it that way and it took a long time i mean this you know i've been doing this since 2001 and we started to take off in the last two years so if you think about it like that hey man i've been banging i banged away at this for over a decade i had someone very close to me who told me listen 
you're busting your butt on this. You're doing it. You'd be better off being a bag boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that. I've heard that speech too. I've and heard you that know speech what? Too. They, at the time they said that, that was 100% true. If I'd made the exact same, put the exact same amount of hours in as a bag boy, I'd have been a lot better off probably for the first, I don't know, at least the first five years. Yeah. Now I did get to the point where in 2005 I could run it for a living, but I wasn't making a ton. Of, I wasn't doing all that great. The traffic wasn't that huge. It's really only started to take off in the last couple of years. So, what do you, know, you, tri- what do you attribute that to? Is it is it the, uh, the did you put more emphasis on Facebook? Is that how you you, you made the Facebook change? Facebook has been Facebook has been huge for us. I mean, we have got one of the biggest conservative pages out there. Our engagement in the week on our Facebook page is north of a hundred million people. Excuse, I'm sorry, that's incorrect. Our reach, in other words, in a in a week's time, over a hundred million people somewhere on Facebook see something from Right Wing News, and roughly, I don't know, ten million of them engage. They comment, like, or share something. Now, is that a so hundred million individuals, or just a, yes, you know, a hundred? No, I'm a hundred million individuals. Unique sets of eyeballs. Yes, wow. that's according to Facebook. Um, let me put it this way: If you are conservative and you are on Facebook, you see our stuff every single week. And, you know, as far as engagement, you're talking 10 million people. Uh, In the last 30 days, we've done 21 million people. So, but I mean, we've just, I mean, we've gotten a lot bigger. We've gotten, you know, we've worked on that a long time, but it just didn't happen overnight. I mean, it looks like because so much of it's happened the last couple of years, it's like, wow, they're overnight success. Well, there's more than a decade of just ramming away and not making much progress to get to there. So... And that's another thing. It's like, how long are you willing to hammer with it and keep sticking with it? And I mean, you've got to love it. One thing I would tell people is you've got to love it so much that you would do it for free to get to the point where you can make money at it. Yep. Yep. All right, that's John, listen, really true. we are at the end of the show. I want to wrap it up, but think about this and I'm going to put this out there right now. We should have a, a part two to this where we just talk about what people need to do today to get big or decide to go home. Um, I'd be happy to do that. Yeah, we should sit down, maybe get a couple, three people in on that and just have a talk about what it takes to be a successful blogger today. Uh, John, I really appreciate the time you took to spend with us today. Um, John Hawkins, rightwingnews.com, a fantastic blog. Uh, I can't speak it highly enough about you, man. Thanks for taking the time to talk with us. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks a lot. Hey, thanks for listening to the Dwayne Lester Show. I'm Dwayne Lester. Be sure to stop by DwayneLester.com and sign up for The Lowdown. It's the most comprehensive political newsletter on the planet. Every morning I'll give you over 100, usually between 150 to 200 different links in anywhere from 20 to 30 different categories. So anything that's happened, more than likely, I'll have it covered. It's The Lowdown at DwayneLester.com. Until next time, I appreciate you all listening. Take care and God bless.